Hey, what's up all you burners out there? This is Weedman420 with the Weedman420 Chronicles. How's all my burners doing out there today? Dav Boy, how you doing? Peachy Keen. Polly. What's up, everybody? Man, we got an exciting episode for you today. We're going to be talking about reefer madness Ooh. and the twisted history of America's marijuana laws. Very twisted, huh? I'm about to be twisted here in a little bit. I can't wait to smoke today. What we got for you today? I can't wait to see you twisted. It's going to be funny as fuck. <laughs> We're going to go through the brief history of marijuana laws in this country and, and when it started in the 1600s to mid-1800s, cannabis was literally part of the national fabric here. In the, in the early 1600s, the British government encouraged farmers to grow hemp, uh, a form of cannabis, which we talked about in previous episodes, on a low level. Because it was such a good farm and uh, extremely hardy, fast-growing plant. It was primarily used for production of ropes, sails, clothing, paper, fiber, critical to the British and Spanish empires. And in 1619, the Virginia Assembly passed a law that flat-out required farmers to grow it. Kind of crazy, huh? Yeah, Yeah, look at us today. In the 19th century, as hemp production uh, waned, more potent forms of cannabis were used as ingredients in many medicinal products and sold openly in pharmacies. Man, I wish they would do that today. I want to go into like a 1600s pharmacy. I bet that place is awesome. <laughs> There'd be so much shit I would just grab off the shelves. I'd be like, I want to try this. I want one of those, one of these, one of those liquids, one of that, one of that. It's Give like me two of these. The first time you, you go into a dispensary, like if you ever go like to a state where it's legalized, but it's just like for like hardcore druggies, it's like, oh yeah, let me get some cocaine, uh, morphine. <laughs> yeah, double that. And that was basically back then in the in the yeah. in the 1800s. You can go to a, a uh, and pick out cocaine on the shelf. Yeah, it's some like, of that white powder stuff that makes me run around crazy. And give me, give me that shit. I'll put it in my Coca Cola soft drink, or you could just put leeches all over my body. Same deal. <laughs> yeah, They're doing that today. Really cool. <laughs> That's those anti-vaxxers. The 1900s to the 1920s, they called it the marijuana menace. After the Mexican Revolution of 1910, a wave of Mexican immigrants poured into the uh, southwestern U.S. And helped popularize the regulation use of, of the drug cannabis in Spanish was referred to as marijuana. With so no one J. more time for me. Marijuana. I no J. <laughs> I like J's though. I know. As the drug grew more popular, it was negative associated with Mexican immigrants. Anti-drug campaigners began to warn against the encroaching marijuana menace, describing the terrible crimes uh, attributed to the drug and the Mexicans who used it. Pretty fucked up. I got to say that right there. As um, blatantly just calling out people. Yep. It was only referred to as marijuana because anti-cannabis factions wanted to underscore the drug Mexicanness, meant to play off the anti-immigrant sentiments. And this was noted by Matt Thompson from NPR uh, called the Code Switch blog. If you guys want to look that up, if you're, if you're interested in reading more about this. Um Rumors quickly spread of Mexicans distributing this demon weed or loco weed. I want some demon weed. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds awesome. Be a great strain. Weed makes me go loco still. Yeah. You're crazy loco. Oh, don't you know I'm loco? <laughs> to unsuspecting American school children, uh, and this was written by uh, Eric Sh- uh, Shawlesser in 1994, Atlantic Reefer Madness. In port cities uh, like uh, New Orleans along the Gulf Coast, the drug also became associated with West Indian immigrants, which I just learned. I didn't know that. And remember we talked about the Hindu uh, Kush, where, yeah. where, where Indica came from? The well, hashish. now we kind of know. Yep. Uh, 
Yep, a connection broadly extended to African Americans, jazz musicians, prostitutes, and lower white class. Some of the jazz musicians that I researched that that made songs back in the 1920s and 1930s uh, were uh, the Reefer Man, which mm. uh, yep, uh, by Fat Wallace. Uh, Sounds Duke, like he's coming at your title. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Duke Ellington said to help. It, what Duke Ellington liked about it said to help him create. And, and the groove and the jive, and he created a song called Jive, 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 which was uh, what they called cannabis back then, too. Ooh. Reefer, Jive, um, some uh, Hide the Reefer Man comes the... Here comes the Reefer, here comes the Creeper. Hide the Reefer, here comes the Creeper. Oh. Another cool song. And then Ooh, the that's, biggest that's one, who I still like to listen to today, is Louis Armstrong, the real king of Reefer. Ooh. He smoked it every day of his life. Like if his whole life? The- if you watch the Ray Charles movie, they were all smoking weed in it, like, yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, and he talks about how, it, like, I think he said something about how it helped him out a little bit in there. So, I mean, like, a little jest at it being medical for him. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The marijuana menace is sketched by anti-drug campaigners was personified by inferior races and social deviants. Uh, in that article that you guys can read that I mentioned. In 1913, now this is going to catch you 22, you ready? In 1913, California of all fucking places passed the first state cannabis prohibition law. Those rat bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Look at them today though, right? Yeah, well they turned it around quick. Yep. The effort was sponsored by the State Board of Pharmacy as part of the larger anti-narcotics campaign, even though there was a a little time public concern about cannabis. Uh, proposed by Henry Finger. I'd like to give him the finger. Ooh, Henry, pull my finger. Yeah. A powerful member of the board, the law was intended to supposedly prevent the spread of drug use by Hindu immigrants. Once again, they were bringing in that Hindu kush, baby. That good shit. Sorry, they were just getting everybody too high. They couldn't deal with it. (laughs) Had to outlaw it. Within the last year, we in California have been getting a large influx of Hindus, and they have in turn started quite a demand for cannabis indica wrote Finger in a 1911 letter. They are very, very undesirable. See, it was all about racism. It wasn't about the reefer. It was about not wanting people to come into this country. Those are rad assholes. Yep. A lot of habitat is growing in California very fast. The fear is now that it's not being confined to the Hindus alone, but they are initiating our whites into this habit. 1930. (laughs) I know, it's crazy. It sounds so dated. It's so bad. 1930s is when the reefer madness kind of started. The widespread unemployment and poverty during the Great Depression further resentment of fear of immigrants and minorities and fueled concerns about the perceived ills of the drug. A flurry of pseudo-research linked the use of the drug to violence, crime, and other social deviant behaviors. Lies. A gentleman by the name of Harry J. Anslinger, I like to call him S. Slinger, the first commissioner of the newly created Federal Bureau of Narcotics, insisted that marijuana led to insanity, criminality, and death. By 1931, 29 states had outlawed it. Crazy how mm. fast it works once like the public gets against it and like once you get some people behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now we're trying to do the same thing with people wanting it, and it doesn't work the other way, unfortunately. Yet. Reverse the... We should just show them like our producer, T, of like how crazy he is until he smokes. <laughs> Just be like, are you, are you guys kidding me? Here's your proof that there's nothing wrong with it. The guy's literally a psychopath until you give him a little bit. Oh, of I like giving the tea yeah. reefer. Oh, Jesus. The Thanks. debut of Reefer Madness in 1936, one in a series of anti-marijuana propaganda films released it at the time, helped fuel hysteria about the drug. Originally titled Tell Your Children, the film centers on a series of hyperbolic events that ensue that innocent high school students are lured into trying marijuana 
from a hit-and-run accident to manslaughter, suicide, attempted rape, hallucinogenics, and rapid descent into madness. Following a Lord propaganda campaign against the evil weed, Congress passed a Marijuana Tax Act of 1937. Now, here, I've seen Reefer Madness, okay? I've seen it, I've watched it, I've watched it sober, and I've watched it high. You need <laughs> to watch it high, because you will laugh your fucking ass off. It's an hour-long yeah. episode that they showed kids back in the day. It is fucking funny as I fun. was reading about it earlier. It's crazy. You need to watch it. But I was just video. seeing, like, the book version, oh. and I saw, like, a good long comment on a guy claiming he was a doctor just basically shitting on the whole thing. Just yeah. stupid. <laughs> like, there's no, like, actual proof in what they're doing. No. It's just like, uh, the big thing with science is, like, correlation doesn't mean it's, like, connected to something just, like, because, like, there's behaviors going on while someone's smoking weed doesn't mean they're correlated or connected. I mean, it's funny. They show they show a scene of a a, a, a guy playing a piano and a woman. They're singing next to him. The guy tries to jump all over because he's been smoking cannabis. And it's just, it's just <laughs> fucking nuts. It's wild. Nice. It was just straight up, like, fear tactics that yep. they were using on people. It's so bad. That's yeah. why we need, like, the DeLorean so we can go back in time and just, like, see what it was like for one of these crazy <laughs> reefer parties. Oh, 1920s God. reefer party had Gatsby on his fucking knees begging for more. Huh? Oh, I bet. True. Um, in the 1960s and 70s, the counterculture and the crackdown, widespread adoption of marijuana by, by both young hippies and anti-war movement and white middle class briefly resulted in a more relaxed attitude and enforcement reports commissioned by President John F. Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson found that marijuana use did not induce violence or lead to the use of heavier drugs. Man, Kennedy, I wish you didn't get shot and killed because that would have been amazing if you were still around because we would have had this legalized by now in this whole country. <laughs> it would have been good. I know. A part of the president, a part as part of President Richard Nixon's anti-drug efforts, Congress in 1970 passed the Controlled Substance Act. It created various legal categories or schedules for different types of drugs depending on the perceived public threat. Cannabis was placed alongside heroin and LSD into Scheduled 1. The most restrictive categories are for drugs deemed to have no medical benefit and the highest potential for abuse. Fucked up, man. It's crazy that it's in that category. It's stupid. Yeah. Including cannabis in this category was more of a reflection of Nixon's an animus towards the countercultural which he associated marijuana than, than scientific, medical, or legal opinion. Scott C. Martin, a history professor at Bowling Green State University, wrote in Time Magazine, the Scheduled One designation, he said, made it difficult for even physicians or scientists to procure marijuana for research studies. In fact, the bipartisan Schaefer Commission, an investiga investigative committee appointed by Nixon to study drug abuse in America, went on to recommend that possession of small amount of marijuana be decriminalized. In 1972, my birth year, a year after Nixon declared his war on drugs, the commission presented to findings to Congress and reported title, Marijuana, a, sing a Signal of Misunderstanding. 72, dude, you're old. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I've been smoking reefers for a long time. You're about as old as the war on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> it noted that most marijuana users were not dangerous at all, but rather more timid, drowsy, and passive, just like Dov, just like he is right now and concluded that <laughs> cannabis did not pose any widespread danger to society and recommended using social measures other than criminalization to discourage its use. Not surprisingly, Nixon rejected his commission findings, forging ahead with his anti-drug agenda, and following year, Congress created the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency, the DEA, 
a merger of the Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs, BNND, and the Office of Drug Abuse Law Enforcement, Odale. Report, though, did, sig- did significantly influence state governments, a movement spearheaded by newly established national organizations for the reform of marijuana laws, normal. Because if you smoke marijuana, you're normal. Resulted in uh, Oregon passing the first decriminalization statute in 1973. Over the next five years, 10 other states followed suit from California to astoundingly Mississippi. In 1986, mandatory minimum drug sentencing. President Ronald Reagan, in 1986, signed the Anti-Drug Abuse Act, instituting mandatory sentences for drug-related crimes. The legislation had actually been championed by Democrats who saw a political opportunity to outdo Republicans by getting tough on drugs. <laughs> See what I'm what, what I'm reading here? It's it's all propaganda, people. Just remember that. Uh, the shift was in part a response to the nation's shock over the death of the, of the Celtics star draft pick Len Bias from a cocaine overdose. I see how cocaine correlates to marijuana now. Cocaine. Shout out to the Celtics. The law increased federal penalties for the sale and possession of an array of drugs, including marijuana, with the penalties based on the amount of the drug involved. Under the law of possession of 100 marijuana plants received the same penalty as possessions of 100 grams of heroin. A later amendment established a three-strikes-in-your-out policy requiring life sentences for repeat drug offenders. Some fucked up shit. Mm-hmm. In the wake of the law, drug-related arrests soared, spurring a massive increase in the state and federal prison populations. It's all a game, peeps. At the time of the law's enhancement in 1986, there were roughly 400,000 inmates in America prison system. By 2015, the population had nearly quadrupled to a peak of, you ready for this, almost 1.5 million. That's 1.5 million jail? Mm-hmm. It's like having to feed 1.5 million people, you know, support 1.5 million people in a prison cell. So. Probably dealing a, a, a gram of uh, or an ounce of cannabis. Mm. And then they wonder... And they wonder. Giving the U.S. the dubious distinction of the largest jailer in the world. Marijuana arrests factored heavily in the increase accounting for more than half of all drug arrests, mostly for possession. African Americans were and still continue to be arrested at dramatically higher rates than whites, despite similar rates of usage according to the ACLU. In 1996, dawn of the medical movement. The passage of Proposition 215 by a solid majority of voters, California bypassed federal law and became the first state to legalize the sale and medical use of cannabis for patients with AIDS, cancer, and other serious and painful diseases. 28 states followed. Washington, D.C. have since passed legislation authorizing medical use of the drug. So California was the first to to make it illegal, Mm -hmm. and they were the first to... Make it legal medically. Would you say that's the biggest comeback story of all time? Comeback of the fucking it's century, a baby. One. I'm pretty happy yeah. they haven't fallen off the side of the earth yet. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly. Despite the, le- the legalization of marijuana medical use in 29 states, it still remains a Schedule One drug under federal law, making it difficult for researchers to study its medical effects, as explained in everything we've talked about. Paul has talked. Paulie has talked about this great about. Being able not to, scientists not be able to do research because of the, the federal law. In 2012, it's now recreational, and 11 states have legalized cannabis completely. That means that adults can access cannabis products for medicinal and recreational use. 22 states have implemented or recently uh, made it medical in their states. And then there is 14 states that, in some way, have authorized the use of CBD only products. 
and you're left with three that are just stuck in no man's land right now. So that was just a brief history. I know it was a little winded, but I wanted you guys to understand the American history of cannabis and where we're, where we came from and where we're moving to. And Polly over here is going to talk a little bit about why it's still Schedule One and why under federal law. Polly, take it over, brother. So I just want to start and go over like the DEA's scheduling of drugs. So with Schedule One, it means there's like no accepted medical use of any of these drugs, and they have like a high potential for abuse. And examples of drugs in this category are heroin, LSD, cannabis, and ecstasy. Uh, two of those things kind of being questioned right now for medical use, LSD and cannabis. Uh, LSD is a little bit less talked about, but it's getting a little bit more popular, as you saw that uh, Colorado, was it right? Just decriminalized mushrooms. Uh, not the same mm-hmm. as LSD, but in a similar category. Yeah, it was like slim margin too, I think 51 to 49%. So that one's sl- another thing that's slowly changing for medical use. But you can see that there's... They're in an odd category with those things, uh, and I think cannabis definitely doesn't belong there. And so you drop down to Schedule 2, and it's uh, they're like a high potential for abuse, which they consider the same for like Schedule 1. And it could potentially lead to like severe psychological and physical dependence, and uh, they consider them like more dangerous drugs. And this is cocaine, meth, Oxycontin and fentanyl, and that's a schedule two. You said those are schedule two. That is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I just so wanted fucked. to talk about that. I think that's crazy mm. that those are in schedule two, and then you have LSD and cannabis in schedule one. I think it's just because a lot of for cannabis, I think a lot of it, like we said, leads to racism. But for LSD, it's a lot of just like negative stigmas and a lot of scares because it can just. I don't even know. I, I, I guess there's just not enough information on it yet. That's like the only thing I could think of. Mm. Um, so for Schedule 3, it's like moderate to low potential for physical and psychological dependence. And they're like a little bit, there's still the potential for abuse, but it's like considered a little bit lower than Schedule 2. And that's ketamine and like your anabolic steroids and uh, some like testosterones could be in there. So those are like shut up, Barry Bonds. Yeah. <laughs> so those are your schedule three. Um, and schedule four is like the so we're getting lower potential for abuse and risk of dependence. And in here, surprising is like Xanax, Valium, and Ambien because those do have a like mm-hmm. a good medical use if they're used properly. Right. But I feel like. Right now, we see a lot of people, like, Xanax is so popular, and a lot of people are getting dependent on it, and it's definitely fucking up a lot of people. Right, it's being abused. Uh, yeah. And, like, it's easier for people to get their hands on because the schedule it's a schedule higher drug, at least number-wise. Yeah. And it's more available. It's so fucking crazy how marijuana is the schedule one. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I, I don't it's get it because, like, if it's legalized in some parts of the country... But then federally, it's seen as a Schedule One drug. I just don't see like how yeah. you can let it be available to the public yet still keep it federally illegal. It's crazy. And, like that's like again we talked about in previous episodes with the states' laws versus the federal laws, and it's just a big conundrum. Mm-hmm. And then your Schedule Five are lower potential for abuse, like even more so than Schedule Four, and they're usually like. 
you could find a lot of these drugs in like limited quantities of certain narcotics, like your things that are like anti-diarrheal, uh, anti-tusive and analgesics. So like your cough medicine, like with less than 200 milligrams of codeine, like Robitussin or things like that. So those are your schedule five. Like are you trying to say shit? there's like <laughs> drugs that will make me like not diarrhea? Yeah. But like... Maybe I like a nice diarrhea. Do you guys ever just sit on the toilet after, like, a big meal and just get a good diarrhea out? No. I know you listeners probably have. <laughs> I don't even want to think about just it. Just get a good, uh, you know, you, you the porcelain throne. What is that stuff? What is that stuff? They, they call lean. Double ply. And they mix with, like, uh, like sodas and stuff like that. Isn't that? It's just codeine, right? Well, that was like a Schedule 4, right? People spread. are using that, like, to just get fucked up on now, right? That's Schedule 5. 5? But, but that's, like, cough medicine, Ooh. so it's, like, lower quantities of it. Right. Cough medicine. Go future. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> true. So, like, why is cannabis Schedule 1 when you saw some of those comparisons to drugs that are considered having medical use and being lower schedules than than marijuana when we've seen many proven cases of it being good. Like, I don't think anyone can deny that the seizure seizure community, like we talked about last episode, is having positive benefits from cannabis. And so why is it still so denied? Um, so there's kind of a weird perception by a lot of people that cannabis is, like, really addictive and you become dependent on it. And so much of that can be kind of accredited to like movies and things that we talk about like presenting like the stereotypical stoner who's just lazy and all he has to do is smoke all day and just kind of things like that like there's just so many misconceptions about it and if you can properly like moderate your smoking or use it to the best of your like do it when you need it like it's it's not that addictive and you can control it like it can be um, so you have to be careful and just like realize that maybe sometimes it's good to take a break here and there if you need to, or if you start to become like overly tolerant to it, which can happen, uh, if you smoke so much, like every day, you'll start to lose a lot of those medical effects. Uh, that's what a lot of people have said. Mm-hmm. And I guess I can, I don't know if I've noticed that at all, but I definitely think it would be possible. Like just with alcohol, like as you drink more and more of it, you <sighs> have to like, you know. You know, we know some alcoholics. There's functional alcoholics. There's people that work and they can drink all day. They sneak in alcohol in their system all day long. Mm-hmm. We call them functional alcoholics. That feeling of being drunk all day long and waking up that next day is probably one of the fucking worst feelings yeah. those people probably have. I mean, I, I hate hangovers. I fucking hate hangovers. They're the worst ever. Uh, that's what like deters me from wanting to drink sometimes. It's just like I do not want to be hungover the next day. No, never. Yeah. You know, I don't know how functioning alcoholics actually can do it. It just And there's things like that happen and alcohol is proven to be addictive and it's still considered so much better than marijuana even if (laughs) marijuana is used like recreationally just for fun and relaxation like it still gets it can't get classified i've never had a hangover the next day from smoking (coughs) marijuana ever no i mean i've gotten like a headache from smoking too much maybe like during the day but like i think that's just occurred to like probably overdoing it not that good of weed 
probably I think it's the oregano you get from the alley that you get every once in a hey while. Hey man, all right. <laughs> I don't need you judging. I mean, I could feel a little groggy in the morning sometimes if I smoke too much the night before. Like I'll wake up and I'll be like, oh shit, maybe I'm still like a little bit high, and you could feel a little groggy, but. I definitely don't think it affects me the next day like alcohol does. No, no, I'm dead the whole day. If I get really fucked up the night before and alcohol, and I wake yeah. up the mm-hmm. next day, I'm shot. No, well, then the what. next day is just dedicated to laying around smoking weeds. Yeah, yeah, and that's the only thing that makes me feel better. <laughs> and then you, then it's just like, well, I guess I am the typical stoner now. <laughs> yeah, but see, you're not a stoner. You're a burner. Well, no, was, you get shit done. Well, yeah, but not when I'm hungover. <laughs> no, nobody wants to do anything when they're hungover. No, fuck that. I want to, like, eat McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I don't want to shit on alcohol too much because <laughs> to each their own. Uh, but that's just another thing, to each their own, and people should be able to choose marijuana too. But so then we talk about the no acceptable uh, medical use, uh, which would make it have to be uh, lowered on the scheduling classifications, and it's just crazy. I talked about with the seizure community, and just I know for a fact that it has a lot of medical benefits uh, just for your mood or loosening up your body or whatever you need it for, getting rid of headaches. It could be great for a lot of things. Um, then there's like things like DARE and other programs that just talk about... Uh, marijuana as a like a a gateway drug into like harder narcotics and marijuana isn't even classified as a narcotic on the DEA scheduling um I'm pretty sure Dare removed it as well did it yeah. that's that's cool um but still uh you go, still hear a lot of people talk about how it's the gateway drug mm-hmm. yeah well and, like us growing up when we sat through Dare they yeah. talked all the time about marijuana as a gateway drug. Mm-hmm. You yeah, smoke one puff all. of marijuana, your life's over. Yeah, <laughs> Look done. at me, bitch. I'm thriving. True. <laughs> You're doing you. Um, but yeah, so there's just that that's been pushed for a long time, and it's still believed by a lot of people. Um, and then the association it has with like minority groups and how it's been used to just... Uh, punish a lot of minority groups and target them a lot more than anyone else. And it's, I think, hurt their communities a lot and done a lot of negative for them um, just because the way the government has treated them, treated marijuana and targeted them through marijuana. Um, I think an interesting statistic is that nearly 600,000 Americans are arrested for marijuana possession annually. And... um, uh, an African-American person is 3.73 times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession on average compared to anyone else. That's um, fucked up. And it's just another yeah, another fact to show w- maybe why they've kept uh, laws on marijuana so strict to be able to do that and just have some people not even bat an eye about it and just continue to push how it's so bad and continue to accept that people are being wrongfully punished and put put in jail for it. Mm. Um, so how does the DEA continue to have um, marijuana like on the sub, like the schedule one is because they have a lack of research which uh, would show these medical benefits. So when it's on Schedule 1, nobody can do research to prove these medical benefits. 
So there's this catch-22 there where nobody can do research to help it, but at the same time, it's Schedule 1, so no research can ever get done, and it's just people are trapped and researchers and scientists can't like have no choice. But it sounds to just like sit, they just like sit by the side. pick and choose like what drugs are schedule what. So they can see what benefits go yeah. to what. It sounds yeah. like a big money thing. But to me, it, but it, that's it, it is. And I you got to think about this for a second because marijuana is the most used, used and probably the most one you can get out there mm-hmm. that they know that they can arrest more people. As you said in that number there, Yeah, you know how many arrests a year that they do. It's a moneymaker. Right. You have to go through the system. You go to jail. You can get. You go through the court system. You have to pay lawyer fees. You have to pay if you go to jail. Then they got you in the and it got you in the institute now. Now they can make twenty one thousand dollars a year off you. Taxpayers' <coughs> money is going towards that. So it's all just a bias of how many people they can bust or get in, get in trouble because they know it's the most widely used. Cannabis is most widely right. used. You know. Yeah. So yeah. look at the look at the the numbers. It states in itself. It's a moneymaker. Yeah. Money, money, money. So, um, with Schedule One drugs, like to be able to uh, research them, they have to have like private uh, laboratories that are licensed and uh, can test on them, and like they can get out the like the marijuana to researchers. And so, for a long time, there'd only been one private laboratory to like produce marijuana. It was at the University of Mississippi. And uh, they were the only hmm. ones approved for federal uh, federal research, and uh, they were under a contract with the National Institute on Drug Abuse. And so basically, they were just running like a monopoly on the supply, and they would only they could only get enough out to so many people. So only so much research could be getting done because of that. Interesting. Um, wow. So uh, the researchers have to get. Uh, like the marijuana from one of these facilities that are funded and like federally approved. Um, but they also at the same time mandated that the studies that had to be done were to show the harms and not the benefits. So if you were going to go in to do the research, it, you were had to be biased towards the harm. So that's why so much information was getting pushed out that were scaring people away from marijuana and like just saying that there's nothing good with it and it's just all bad. Hmm. Um, wow. So uh, it was said that 16.5% of the spending went toward like the therapeutic properties of cannabis and all the other money went towards the harms or maybe I don't even know what else they would be looking at, but just probably pushing out negative like propaganda about it. Just crazy stuff. Um, Damn. So in 2017, uh the Marijuana Effective Drug Study Act was passed, and it was to streamline, like, the registration process and provide enough marijuana to get out to, like, researchers and scientists. So it kind of upped the amount so a little bit more research could be done. And then uh, in 2018, the Strengthening the Tenth Amendment through Entrusting States Act uh, was passed, and it was to protect states and states' rights to legalize marijuana for uh, adult, like, recreational and medical use. And so that just gave the states a little bit more protection to be able to do what they're doing and get it out medically on their own, like, on their own votes. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, so that's, like, where uh, marijuana kind of is right now and how it's, why it's stuck where it is still and what's happening to try and make it change. 
there's been tons and tons of attempts to try and get it pushed off of the schedule one classification and mm-hmm. all of them are just getting denied or they're just not even getting responded to. So it's just in like a stalemate right now, but thankfully states are being able to do it on their own if they want to. And at least some people can get their hands on it that need it. Mm. So hopefully we slowly see things change. And <clears throat> Dave, if you got anything about what needs to be changed, let's fucking hear it. I do. It's kind of hard to talk right now since you brought that big bag of fruities down. And, like, it's been staring at me this whole time. And I ate one when you were talking. Now my mouth's really watery because I want another one. It's like a big... There's a lot going on right now. Anyways, uh, basically, what needs to be done is the removal of cannabis from the Schedule 1 off the Controlled Substance Act list. Which Paul said basically is a list of drugs seen as with no accepted medical use. Cannabis, however, is argued to meet the standards of having the Controlled Substance Abuse Act and placing it under Schedule 1, meaning cannabis probably shouldn't be under a Schedule 1 drug because uh, there's medical dispensaries pretty much wherever it's legal and it's proven to have medical use. And they wouldn't have medical dispensaries if it wasn't proven, so I don't see the, you know, I don't see the gray area here. But... What the government is saying pretty much is uh, cannabis is still dangerous enough to be deemed as a Schedule 1, and a lot of this comes down to the interpretation of how the Controlled Substance Act is. I uh, looked at, like, it's. I think it's loophole because basically what I said, having it's seen as no medical use, yet there's medical dispensaries. I, I don't see, I just don't get it. Uh, the Controlled Substance Act does provide a process for having drugs to be rescheduled, though, and this is done by petitioning the DEA. Uh, an interesting fact, the first petition was done in 1972. You know who was born in 1972? Weed Man 420. God, you're old. And uh, Which basically wanted doctors to legally prescribe cannabis, and this petition was denied after 22 years in the court process. Basically, my lifetime. That's a lot of money down the drain. That is a lot. Yep. But what's even more interesting is a synthetic pill of cannabis THC was rescheduled in 1986 to be prescribed under a Schedule 2 drug. And in 1999, it was rescheduled again to be prescribed under Schedule 3. So they'll take synthetic cannabis use, do whatever they want with it. But the real deal, mm mm-mm. Because that's Big Pharma's way, and that's where the money's at. So. Yeah, absolutely. What is synthetic? Do we know? Can we look it up? What is synthetic cannabis? It's just straight THC. That's in like it. a yeah. pill form. But I don't know what else they put in it, but it's like straight THC in like a pill form. Okay. And um, you can take it for different like problems you have. And Basically, you're not to... getting that entourage effect. Yeah. Gotcha. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Something to think about, uh, politics at a federal level is very different from the state level. I know we've talked about that before. Uh, it can be very difficult on many levels, and the federal government does move very, very slow. An impact can be made at the local level and can have direct effect on your community. So you're probably going to want to move at a local level, do like your kind of grassroots movements before you want to just hit federally, because federal government does not move fast whatsoever. You ever been to the DMV? You would know that. <laughs> True. I know a lot about that. 
uh, local governments can extend to like your city transportation, council members, and the police. But in the sense of cannabis, one big issue is getting it decriminalized first. As we've seen in Chicago, Chicago went ahead and decriminalized it, and they've been doing it. Like things been pretty good here. Yeah, I'd say so. I'm still, I'm still, you know, breathing there. I'm good. Yeah, feeling great. Uh, ways to get involved: uh, writing a voter initiative and. First, I would check to see if your vote, uh, if your state allows that. Uh, if it does not allow a voter initiative, there's still ways to get involved by attending like public hearings. Make sure you comment on issues, and let your voice be heard because in government it matters. Like we founded this country on, you know, like our voice of word, getting involved. We wouldn't have been able to, you know, break away from the British if we didn't be heard. The Tea Party. Yeah, if you, you know, sometimes Let's it, throw some bags of weed over a ship and. Watch people jump and try to get them and smoke them. <laughs> How about you guys just take all those bags of weeds and throw them on my front lawn, and I'll smoke them for you. Yeah. Um, if your initiative fails at first, revise and keep trying. Be persistent. Be heard. And, you know, stand up for what you guys believe in because, you know, you don't know who it's going to help. might not happen in your lifetime, but down the road it could help somebody else. True. And that's the most important thing. Yeah. Stand up for your right. Yeah. You know, to fucking like The party. BC boys always said. Yep. Yep. You gotta fight for your right to party. That's some good stuff, boys, right there. That's some good stuff. Yep. We're gonna smoke right now. The fun stuff. Yay, what are we smoking? I'm so excited. Alright, so today we got um Mother Fluckin' Tangy from Rhythm. Uh it's a sativa. And it is delicious. It smells so fucking good. Um and this is rockin' seven. 16.6% THC. Um, and so that's it's not too bad. Um, I think it's a pretty good amount to have if you're just trying to have like a little upper during the day to get you through. I've smoked this strain a couple times now. I like it a lot. I have not done that one yet. I've liked it a lot. Yeah. Oh, I, you haven't done yeah. it yet? No. Nah, oh, yeah. I, I, I feel like I've tried yeah. a sour tangy before, but I don't, I don't know if there's a difference between that and just this tangy. Oh. You smelled this shit, right? Describe yeah. it for the listeners. Well, there's... Describing, I'm gonna smoke. It's like that. Uh, it really hits like your nostrils hard. It smells so citrusy. Yeah, it's like a really strong. Oh my god! It's like that that lemon lemon place like type thing. It's good. And I'm, I'm hitting the excited. Polly's gonna smoke it out the bong. <coughs> oh, the weed man, man's got tasty. the Gandalf pipe because he's sick and we don't want to catch his cooties. Nope. <coughs> wow, that's good stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this fantastic. thing a big old rip. Of our Rick and Morty beaker bong, all hail. I haven't hit the bong in a while. We've been smoking a lot of joints lately. I love joints. Yeah. I'm a joint guy. Yeah, we do like smoking joints. Yeah, I've been, I haven't done a bong in a while. I love bongs. Yeah, bongs are nice. You used to be a big blunt guy. Not, not anymore. You were a blunt guy for the longest. Yeah, not anymore. I'm good. It's kind of weird, you know, sitting on other sides here at the table. You guys can't see us because there's no camera or anything. Soon. Soon. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Videotape us, you can see how weird we look. But me and Polly switch seats because we don't have a producer today. I'm the producer. Shorty and T, day. you know, you guys are lacking today. I've been doing a great job. <laughs> but we care about the people so much that we said, you know, fuck it to those guys. Yeah, <laughs> Please come back, though. <laughs> we really miss you. Yeah. But this strain tastes phenomenal. I've shared it in the past with some people who like good sativas and... um yeah, they've is... nothing but rant and raved about this strain and uh, rhythm. Good job on this one, man. Tangy, it's an 
it's in probably one of my top favorites now, Sativa yeah. Strains. Well, we'll hit those effects in a sec. Let Dave's knees. Let Dave take it home within the papers. In the papers. <clears throat> Welcome to my papers. Um, I kind of piggybacked off Forbes a little bit. Andre uh, Burke had some. And uh, Instagram at 420 Stocks. They have a very good Instagram page. Very informal. Um, not as great as ours, though. Because we're the best. No, just kidding. They're cool. Um, Green Market Summit Symposium took place here in Illinois uh, not too long ago. And that's uh, all the Illinois cannabis leaders. They got together. and uh, Wait, wait. All the cannabis leaders? Why the fuck was I not invited? Because you're the vigilante. Oh, okay. Yeah, I said the leaders. Uh, we're too cool for that. We didn't show <laughs> up. We were, we were too cool. We were too, too stoned. We didn't want to go. We're better than them. And it was just basically just us saying, hey, we're awesome. Uh, but what's interesting about that day as it took place, I believe that was earlier in May, um, the details about Illinois State's uh, recreational marijuana bill were released. Hmm. Interesting timing. Uh, Governor Pritzker? And Pritzker, am I saying that right? Yeah, I think you're saying it right. J- Let's we'll just call him JB. Our boy JB uh, detailed a proposal for Illinois recreational marijuana law, and it's consisting... Of full legalization. Also, this will aim to prevent big business from coming in, uh, and they are doing that by setting limits on ownership. So, no monopolies here in the weed business, which is actually a pretty smart thing we'll to do. See. Yeah, let's. See. I, I'm interested to see how that one goes in the long run. Uh, I just don't want to see like Walmart brand marijuana. Like, well, this is the first state to weird. ever not introduce legalization through a ballot. Mm-hmm. They did it by a state legis- le- legislation, the weed's kicking in, legislation vote <laughs> in the House and the Senate. That's crazy. First state. Wow. I don't know if I like that that much or not. Yeah, I mean, it's weird not letting the people vote on the issues because it is kind of a social matter, yeah. social issue. I yeah. agree. Uh, so the laws for us regular run-of-the-mill burners are as follows. Uh, one, possession of about an ounce uh, we get about 30 grams of flour for us people 21 and up, the fun age. Um, two, five grams of the Heish. Three, 50 doses of edibles, 500 milligrams at 10 milligram per servant. Number four, residents can grow up to five plants, but it's got to be out of public view, meaning you got to grow that shit in your basement. Or a greenhouse. Yeah, if you're that fancy. <laughs> Like, maybe yeah, if you're, like, nice. south of Kankakee. <laughs> like, we don't got that type of farmland by us. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. Have, like, a little, like, I don't know. What are those called? I want to say cornucopia, but I don't think that's right. Cornucopia. I don't know. <laughs> cornucopia is a cool word. Um, yeah, but you have, like, a little, like, you know, basement. little marijuana. I can't wait. It'd be cool. I know. Uh, other laws that are interesting for uh, people who have been convicted with marijuana uh expungent that's also a funny word expungent of past low level offenses also removing misdemeanor or class four felonies uh yeah that's kind of big for them it's just wiping your clean slate that was a good one go to the garbage clean off your tray you get a new one (laughs) 
Uh, commercial advertisement is banned near schools on city buses and cannot contain pot leaves or cartoons as per the new law. So you won't be seeing SpongeBob hitting that dank. That's fine. That makes sense. Well, if I was a kid and I saw SpongeBob smoking weed, I'd want to grow up and smoke weed. <laughs> True. Uh, Illinois State Police Director Brian Kelly states that he is on board, noting that his agency, quote, will be a responsible partner in enforcing the law and ensuring any and all provisions of adult use legislation are strictly and efficiently complied with. About time, Illinois. Yeah. About fucking so, time. Illinois cops will be on board. CPD will probably do their own thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh um, Hopefully not. Nah, those guys are cool. I got no problem with cops. Well, let's see if this all works out by 2020. I have a feeling, like I've been saying this for a while about Illinois, it all won't get into effect until 2021. Yeah, the law is going to go in by the time they implement everything and they have the, the recreational licenses going and then they have enough weed and cannabis to supply everybody. 2021, because in Michigan right now, they're still not there with their recreational dispensaries. They're still not opened yet. Well, those guys got to figure right. it out. And I'm not getting rid of my medical card because I can hold up to 2.5 ounces when you guys can only hold up to... Next to nil. Oh, look at him. <laughs> oh, hey, got that extra ounce and a half over here. I'm weed man. I don't know how much weed you got. Well, I got more than you. Yeah, fuck off, asshole. Well, that's, I'm keeping my medical card. That's I would cool. too. That's, that's smart. I want to have my flex plants and I'll be happy. Yeah, that'd be fucking dope. Bot- botanical. Um, I'm trying to think of the word. Not cornucopia. Botanical. I don't know, but I'm, I, my lips are tingling right now. I'm pretty begged. It's going to be like a garden in your basement, but it's going to be like a cool word. I'm going to come Botanical up with a Botanical cool... garden. Is that it? I don't know. That's cool. We're really <laughs> baked right now. Can't you tell? I'm fucking oh, yeah, high. So how's everyone feel? Um, I fucking can't feel my face. Uh, this picked me back up a little bit. Um, yeah, I was a little I down. Good. I was almost falling asleep off that vanilla kush. I felt the headache coming now. It's all gone. Those sharp sativas really kill those things. Oh. Yeah. I feel really good. Um... Tangy, I, I think love this you. is a good daytime strain if you're going to go do something fun. Uh, Concert strain, definitely. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'm a fan. Good I'm job. Uh, rhythm, we appreciate it. We it like it. You guys are dope. We'll get it again. Yep. Well, we want to say thanks for listening. Hopefully you've been enjoying all these episodes we've been throwing at you. But don't forget, uh, we're on uh, Apple Podcast. We're on Spotify. And we're on Buzzsprout as We Man 420 Chronicles. And then don't forget to uh, take a look at our Instagram at Weedman420 Chronicles, our Twitter at Weedman420 Pod. And then throw us an email at uh, Weedman420 Chronicles at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Dov? Hey, I'm Doobie Dov, and thanks for listening, all you burners out there. We had a great time today, and I just want to make sure that you all know you're appreciated. Over to you, Paul. E. If you actually talk like that for a whole episode, I wouldn't even listen. <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks. Wrong, dude. Yeah. Yeah, well, we love you. Puff puffing away. Puff.